Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, so jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, wheat planting is rolling fast and furious here across Texas and across the plains. And although we had great spring and summer rains, it's been a bit dry to get a wheat crop in the ground this fall. We'll take a look at that story to kick off today's show. And it's the time of year where stocker cattle start arriving on the ranch. If you're a stocker grazer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have to get those brand new stocker cattle in, you have to get them straightened out, settled down, and back on feed and water. But what's the best way to do that? We'll have that story coming up as well. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. West Texas A&M and Texas Farm Bureau have come together to create something new. A collegiate chapter of Farm Bureau. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Weather can play havoc with trees on rural property, so it's important to enhance the value of that rural property by planting new trees. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. There's a new political reality for rural representation in Texas. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on redistricting on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Wheat farmers across the nation are working to get the new winter wheat crop in the ground, and many are dealing with less than ideal conditions. But up through the end of last week, it was too dry and on the warm side in most of the major production areas. That's USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. He says nationally, wheat planting is about 60% done. But up through the end of last week, it was too dry and on the warm side in most of the major production areas. We have had our share of dry conditions here in Texas this fall, but many parts of the state were blessed with rainfall last week. We now have 54% of our wheat crop in the ground. When stocker cattle arrive at the ranch this fall, they will definitely be stressed and will not properly eat or drink enough water for several days. That creates a negative energy balance, creating a health risk. In the past, stocker producers have offered those cattle large amounts of roughage to help them get back on their feet and feeling better. Dr. John Richeson, professor of beef cattle feedlot management at West Texas A&M University, says new research shows large amounts of roughage may not be the best way to help stressed cattle recover the quickest. We're looking at different ways and different techniques and different types of rations to provide to those cattle that may be a better alternative. And in a nutshell, that would be providing a much higher energy ration. Preliminary data from the research shows high-energy rations helped high-risk calves correct the negative energy balance quicker than a high-roughage ration. The cattle receiving the the typical higher roughage receiving diet actually consumed a little more feed early 
and gained a little bit better very early the first couple weeks from arrival. They're filling their gut fill faster with that higher roughage diet, and that translates to weight that quickly after arrival. But after the first couple weeks, the dry matter intake equilibrates between the two rations that we evaluated, and the cattle on the higher energy finisher ration gained more, and they gained much, much more efficiently. Richardson says the higher energy ration leads to a better feed cost of gain and overall cost of gain during the receiving period. McDonald's says it will test a new fake meat burger in restaurants next month. The chain says they will test their McPlant burger in select restaurants in cities in Iowa, Louisiana, California, and right here in Texas. McDonald's already sells the McPlant Burger in international markets like Sweden, Denmark, and several others. West Texas A&M University and the Texas Farm Bureau have come together to start something new. James Hunt has more from the Panhandle. There's always a lot happening when it comes to agriculture at West Texas A&M University, and now the school is home to the very first collegiate chapter of Texas Farm Bureau. Assistant Professor of Ag Education Nate Wolf says the approximately 70 students in the WT Farm Bureau chapter are getting special opportunities to learn about agriculture. Our format for this year is we will try to have different themes per month, and so we'll have a professional come in and speak to the students in person or via Zoom and answer any questions or offer what type of production they do, some of the struggles, some of the accomplishments, just tell us their story. And then we usually go and set up a field trip hands-on and go visit a site. There's no course credit involved, but Dr. Wolf says learning more about agriculture will help prepare the students to be advocates for agriculture. We want to help these students, educate them by going to the site, by talking to these professionals, and then telling their story and saying, you know what, I have been onto a feedlot and, and this is how they handle their animals, or I have been to a dairy, and you should see the facilities that these animals are housed in, or, or we have been to a corn producer and watched them harvest their corn. And so we get firsthand experience in order for them to kind of clear up some of those misconceptions when they are talking to the general public. And with all the many misconceptions out there, it's good to have some new advocates on board. And for any of you who might be needing interns or even new hires, another objective of the Farm Bureau chapter at West Texas A&M is helping its student members network to further their careers in agriculture. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Planting new trees can enhance the value of rural property. Tom Nicoletti tells how. For today's program, we go to Tyler Jacobs. He is partner broker with Hall & Hall LLP out of College Station. And Tyler, uh, this is uh, certainly an issue and a topic uh, for many people as uh, folks have lost trees in one way or another to uh, various weather events, certainly over the last year and even uh, beyond that. Absolutely, Tom. You know, on our family ranch, we've lost tremendous number of water oaks this year to freeze damage from the winter and then uh, we were still losing red oaks from the drought uh, 10 years ago and uh, we even recently lost some some real pretty trees to flooding so you know if you if you have rural property you're going to have tree damage and and thinking about how to replace those trees is is always a good idea because you're going to capture that value years later. And so let's talk about uh, planting new trees on either uh, 
uh, newly purchased property or uh, existing rural property. And uh, in doing so, uh, there are uh, some bullet points that we ought to talk about. First would be uh, variety and what species you ought to be uh, purchasing and and, uh, thinking about planting. Absolutely. You know, the, the enjoyment of the tree, how you're going to use the tree, where where it's going to, to be situated on your property, all of those are critical concerns. And and the last thing you don't want to do is, is plant a tree and then move it because you made a bad choice. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a new political reality for rural representation here in Texas. Gary Joyner has the details on the redistricting process. Lawmakers in Austin are in a special legislative session tackling redistricting. They're redrawing the political boundaries for Texas districts in the U.S. House, along with the Texas House, Texas Senate, and State Board of Education. Growth in Texas the last decade was greatest in urban centers and suburbs. The state's five largest counties, Harris, Dallas, Tarrant, Bear, and Travis, experienced 44% of the state's growth. All 10 of the state's fastest-growing counties in the last decade were suburban. Hayes County, between Austin and San Antonio, experienced the most growth, doubling its population. The challenge of redistricting is each district must have similar populations. The reality is there will be fewer rural districts when the process is complete, and rural Texans that find themselves drawn into a suburban district. They will have to engage with suburban and urban elected officials to make sure rural Texas matters. And rural Texans need to find and support candidates in the suburbs with a rural background and personal understanding of farm and ranch issues. If we educate and engage under this new political reality, we will ensure that rural Texas matters. The success of agriculture and rural Texas depends on it. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The House Agriculture Committee held a recent hearing on the livestock markets. Michael Clements has the details from Washington. Lawmakers on the House Agriculture Committee held another hearing on livestock market issues. Hearing from producers, packers, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, and other lawmakers. Scott Bennett, American Farm Bureau Federation Congressional Relations Director, says the hearing included testimony from Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa. It's the first time in modern history that a sitting senator has come across the Capitol to the House side to testify in front of a committee. Senator Grassley has an effort around mandatory minimum negotiations and he pled his case in front of the committee. We also had Secretary Vilsack discuss what USDA is doing in regards to the livestock industry, including the $500 million for small and regional packing capacity expansion. Bennett says the hearing included a discussion on anticipated grain inspection packers and stockyards administration pending rules. There are three anticipated rules from USDA. One will involve undue preference. One will involve competition, and the third that is relatively new will involve the tournament pay system in poultry. Secretary Vilsack in his testimony said we could anticipate those rules by the end of this year. Bennett says Farm Bureau is working on other issues for livestock farmers as well. We have been working on behalf of farmers and ranchers for quite some time regarding the extension and authorization of livestock mandatory reporting. We have also uh, been advocating for the new swine inspection system so that it can operate for pork processors as it has for many years. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. Some archery hunting tips from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that advice straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. 
And with kids back at school, there may be items in their backpacks that could be harmful to pets. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Kids are back at school and this time of year we see a lot of pet poisoning because of items in kids' backpacks. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells more about it. The ASPCA Poison Control Center wants to remind pet owners that each fall they see a surge in school-related pet poisonings. Some dogs are very good at unzipping backpacks and opening lunch boxes and eating the contents inside. Sometimes kids come home from school and dump their backpacks on the floor. So it is important to assign your kids an area to store their backpacks that is dog and cat proof, and this is likely going to be behind a closed door. If this is not possible, adults should empty out the backpack when the child arrives home to prevent exposure of the pet to toxic ingredients. Now you may be thinking, if my kid is eating these foods, how toxic can they really be to my pets? There are a lot of foods that can be okay for humans, but not okay for dogs. Some regular chewing gums contain a chemical called xylitol, which causes hypoglycemia or low blood sugar in dogs. Other foods toxic to dogs that may be in a child's backpack include grapes and raisins, macadamia nuts, onions, and possibly even moldy food. Cold packs in the lunchbox are also toxic. And we also have to worry about pet exposure to medications in the backpack, like ADHD medications, inhalers for children with asthma, pain relievers such as acetaminophen or ibuprofen, as well as illicit drugs and marijuana. There are also some art materials that can be toxic to dogs, and products not toxic include products with an ACMI seal. These products will either read AP for approved product or CL for a cautionary label, which may represent a toxic risk to pets. Products with CL on the label should be kept away from your pets. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Archery season is well underway here in Texas, and Tom Nicoletti has some archery tips in today's wildlife report. Archery-only season is underway here in Texas. There are certain criteria for hunters to be aware of for a better hunting season. With some advice is Travis Glick of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. He is the community archery specialist for Central Texas. As you get more into sports, you're going to find yourself getting more involved. And so having making sure you have appropriate attire uh, anywhere all the way from camo, just the stuff you want to wear, to safety things like tree harnesses. Archery, you find yourself definitely out farther away than you would for rifle hunting. You find yourself more into the thick of it, especially if you decide to hunt public land. And so communicating with other people to let people know where you are is very important as well. Um, So, you know, you really need to be prepared not just to get into the field, but how are you going to get out? Glick says mental preparation is important for archery hunting. 
getting a chance to study the animal as you shoot helps a lot. The other thing is as you sit in the stand, you, you're going to see other animals maybe you may not want to harvest yet. You may see does and you may be only after bucks. You may see young bucks and you're waiting for a, a large mature buck. Studying those animals in real life and watching them as they move and saying, okay, that would be a great shot if I was good, if I was going to attempt. That would be a bad shot. I shouldn't attempt a shot at that position. In your head as you practice mentally, that helps a lot too. A lot of archery is mental. That is Travis Glick with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. For more information about archery hunting, licenses, and regulations, go to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website at tpwd.texas.gov. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We saw a lower trade in the cattle market to kick off the week on Monday, but the corn market moved higher. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to oli.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market kicked off the week with a lower trade on Monday. We closed with both live and feeder cattle in the red. October live cattle down 52, 125.45. The December down 55 cents at 130.42. February live cattle down 35 at 135 even. Feeder cattle closing lower. October dropped a dollar eighty-two, one fifty-five seventy-five. November feeders down two oh seven, one fifty-nine thirty-five. January feeder cattle down a buck ninety-seven to close at one fifty-nine fifty-five. Cash-fed cattle trade all quiet on a Monday. No bids or asking prices to report. Boxed beef was mixed. Choice down twenty-nine cents, two seventy-nine ninety-five. Select up eighty-three at two sixty-one forty-five. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, here's a glass of iced tea. You look thirsty. And a livestock market operator report from that little country ball of fire, Madison Bexley, Lockhart Livestock. They sell them every Thursday. Maddie, how did that sale this last week go? Yeah, Larry, uh, we had a big rain Thursday morning, and it cut our numbers down a little bit. But, uh, man, was the rain certainly welcome. Worked the market up a little bit, too. We ended up with 801 head of cattle with 182 cows and 17 bulls, um, 102 sellers and 72 buyers. Just walk the pins. Uh, on the stalker cows, we got along real good. Uh, the front end of the pairs would have brought from 12 to 1,700. Uh, the mediocre and middle-aged from 7 and a quarter to 1,150. The good bred cows from 8.50 to 12 and a quarter. The mediocre middle-aged and short breads from 5.50 to eight and a quarter a longhorn in the planer end of the cows from 250 to five and a quarter packer cows and bulls would have been about steady with a week ago 
The good high yielding bulls from 57 to 72. The medium yielding from 42 to 56. The low yielding and the lightweight cows from 17 and a half to 41. Uh, the good high yielding packer bulls from 85 to 92 and a half. The low and medium yielding packer bulls uh, from 60 to 84. And uh, calves in Ireland sold mostly higher than we could go uh, on a good active market, especially on the very front end of the steers, weighing from 3 to 550. There was a lot of demand for those cattle, but they sure enough got to be the right kind. Can tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yeah, Larry, you can always check us out on Facebook. Or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. We've been with that little country ball of fire, Madison Bexley from Lockhart Livestock. Madison, have a good weekend. You too, Larry. And neighbor, y'all have a good week. You've been listening to me, Larry Marble, and Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close higher on Monday. December hogs up 47 cents, 78.75. February hogs up 45 at 81.77. Class 3 milk was lower. The nearby October down to 17.92 a hundredweight. November milk down 12 at 19.16 a hundred. The cotton market saw about a four-cent trading range. We traded both sides of the market on Monday, ended up closing with the two nearby contracts lower, the deferred contracts higher. We finished with December cotton down 29 points, 107.04. The March down 5 at 104.95. Step ahead to next year, December 22 cotton up 8 points, 90.38 cents. Corn and wheat both continuing to recover after getting hit last week. USDA supply and demand report released a week ago put big pressure on the corn market. That spilled over into the wheat market and sent it a bit lower as well. But we've seen a nice recovery over the last few trading sessions. December corn finishing seven higher on Monday, 532 and three quarters. March corn up six and a quarter at 540 and a half. Same story in the wheat complex. Both hard and soft wheat closing higher on Monday. New crop July, Kansas City wheat up four and a quarter, 750 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up one and three quarters at 740 a bushel. In the energy markets, a big drop in natural gas. November down 40 cents to finish at $5 even. November crude oil up 13, 8241 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Monday. The Dow down 46 points at 35,247. The Nasdaq up 118 at 15,017. The S&P up 14, 4,485. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.